This is episode 21 of the Nesbypreneur Podcast, produced by Spin Media. Here we go. You're listening to the Nesbypreneur Podcast, where we share information and inspiration to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea? Looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further. You have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Nehemiah Mabry. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us once again here on the Nesby Panura Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nehemiah Mabry. And as you already know, it is my intention to inspire you. Look, I'm excited to bring you another great guest today. I'm joined with a brother from Florida that goes by the name of James Sampson. James, how you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. Should I call you doctor? I didn't even know. Oh, no, man. That's just, you know, that's just there just in case. This is there for emergencies, man. That's all. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, James Sampson. For our listeners, is the vice president and chief operating officer, the CEO of One Day Came Inc. It is a black owned construction company based in Florida. He has over 10 years of construction industry experience and has managed projects ranging from $500,000 to $50 million. James became a part of One Day Came Inc. in 2007. And James, I gotta tell you, I didn't know. We talking five hundred thousand to fifty million, man. That is amazing. <laughs> it's a lot of money, isn't it? A lot of money. I, I can imagine um, clients being pretty upset if you ever mess up on a project of that size. I've, I've I've grown some gray hairs behind all of that, man. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I'm sure, man. And we're gonna get a little bit into the business in just a second. But you know, as we start off our podcast, one of the things that we ask our guests is to uh, provide like a fun fact. This is a random bit of information about themselves. Do you have any kind of fun fact that's probably funny and expected, interesting, that you can share with our listeners? Fun fact. I got some interesting facts. I don't know about fun. I've <laughs> I've completed about eight half marathons, and I uh, my standing box jump is about 52, 53 inches. Considering the fact I'm only five, 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 six. I'll post Bro, a video I'm, on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous, man. That's crazy. So you're an athlete? Yes. I uh I ran track in high school. I ran at Miami Central High School. And while I mm-hmm. while I was there, I ran we won three state championships. Wow. So do you still get out, run? I, I mean you do the half marathons, but do you still do competitive sports or anything like that? No, I haven't. I had aspirations at one point to do so but you know mm-hmm. i just didn't have the, the time to truly pursue it so gotcha well what you did get involved in as mark cuban calls it um it's a sport of business am i right that's correct yeah and, and and one of the things that i'm interested to talk more about is you know we shared that you have a con- you're ceo of a construction company but as i understand it that's that wasn't your first foray into business can you give us a little bit about beginnings of you as an entrepreneur and as you kind of I guess the earliest memories you have of trying to trying to hustle and make money on your own. Well, I've always growing up, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, as they say. When I was 
as young as five years old. My dad, he, he did a, a lot of maintenance work, a little handiwork for Miami-Dade County. And he always taught me, say, learn how to work with your hands. You'll never go broke. So he would take me on a little job. And I got excited just about being able to make money on my own. When I got into middle school, I started selling candy because I wanted to buy my own school clothes and that kind of thing. So it started off at a very young age. The turning point for me was I graduated from FIU with electrical engineering degree. And I started working. I worked for an elevator company for about a year and I got fired. Mm. At that point, I felt very vulnerable and I said, I won't ever be in that position again. My first business venture was an insurance company. I got got together with some guys. And unfortunately, that didn't pan out because the guys were crooks and they took <laughs> me for they took me for a substantial amount of money. Yeah, yeah. And I was only I was only I was only 20, 21, 22 at the time. Mm. Um, cuz I was inspired by another entrepreneur, Sam Pachardo. He's into the he's in the real estate and he was he owned several properties by the time he was 21. So that was very inspirational to me. So Mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of jumped out there at a young age, so that was that was my first stab at entrepreneurship. And then I did, you know, I did other things. I did some graphic design work. I did websites and those kind of things just to keep the money flowing. Right. So basically, you did it sort of out of passion, but also out of necessity. When you lost your job, you're like, hey, let me go out here and try to try to create a job on my own. Exactly. So were you first like? Looking for like some of your friends to work with, like uh, some people kind of wonder how to how to build a team. You know, who do they talk to first? Like, how do you go about you know getting getting connects and everything? Well, let me say this: I'm I'm really blessed as far as the construction as far as the construction company goes. I'm very blessed. Um, I have uh, some great mentors, some great business mentors. The way I got into construction was through my older cousin, who I who I consider one of my older cousins, who I consider my role model. My role models, um, he kind of got me into the field of construction and just wanted to get in that industry. And he's uh, he's an executive actually at another firm, um, black owned as I'm, I mean, I'm at, I'm at it's a black owned firm. He inspired me to go get my contractor's license. I went and did that. And then my other cousin, who is a, a very a great mentor to me, he, he taught me and I learned a lot of the social side and about relationships from him. And about business. Actually, he was featured in uh, Ebony Magazine this month, by the way. It was, uh, yeah. And um, we linked up and we took it from there. So, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're looking to start a business, it's, it's good to find people that are like-minded and who have an entrepreneurial spirit and who may or may not share, have the same passion that you have. But at the end of the day, you both want to start a business and, and move in the same direction. That's that's my advice. My advice would be to, you know, try to talk to other entrepreneurs, people that are already who already have companies and get as much advice as possible. But yeah, yeah. When it comes to linking up with people, you gotta wanna be careful with that. You know, you have to be a good judge of character. My first like I said, my first stint did not go well at all. You know that and that would you say gray hairs, I'm sure like even before the gray hairs and definitely going to ask you some specifics about the construction business. But before the gray hairs, you had a few lumps from, you know, I guess, failed endeavors and failed attempts. And uh, I, I appreciate that advice about being a good judge of character, linking up with people who are like minded and listeners. You are already taking one step towards that. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because you want to hear 
people who've done it before. You want to hear the advice and the wisdom. And so, James, I thank you for sharing that. But when it comes to like judging character, can you just give us maybe a little bit more detail on what you learned from, let's say that, that uh, insurance company that didn't work out or any other company that turned out to be a bad choice as far as partners were concerned? Like when I got into that business, I did not understand it. I was young, I was ambitious, and I wanted to start a company. But I did not know anything about insurance and how the money flowed and how everything worked. I did take the initiative to actually pursue getting like a, my insurance licenses, my 220, 440. And those of you who know about insurance would know, know what that is. But I did take the liberty to do that. But I didn't take the time to actually understand how the insurance business worked. And I put too much trust in the people that I did not know. Mm-hmm. And it just did not turn out well. So I, w- I would advise whatever you get into, make sure it's something that you, you understand and you take time to understand how the business side of it works. Because you can know construction, but you have to understand the business side of construction. A lot of times you have to sit down and you have to learn that stuff on your own. You have to read, you know, buy a book, sit down. And, no, and, and, and the internet gives us so much access it gives access to so many resources so that's that's very important that's why i learned from that to learn the business side before you start a business you know because you can understand the craft but if you don't know business you don't know how the cash flows there's no way you can really be successful unless you do that you don't want to go in blind yeah you don't want to go blind you don't want to go blind you know I, i feel like what you're saying what you're describing is very similar to how like the early days of like hip hop or commercial hip hop or, you know, we had a lot of talented artists out there, but because they didn't understand how the music industry worked, like they were like taken advantage of by a lot of like corporate execs and so forth. And now I feel like speaking of music in particular, I feel like some artists are getting more savvy and shrewd as it relates to the business part, as well as the artistic part. So that's very key. What you said, don't just know your craft, know how it's marketed, know how it's, it's sold, know how it's packaged. And, and that way, you know, when you, when you do partner with people, I think what I'm really getting for what you're saying is, yes, these people may have certain skill sets that you need that improve the business, but you're not like just blindly following them and they can tell you anything and you don't really know, you know, up from down kind of thing. That's true. Cool, man. Well, speaking of the, the business of construction, we're going to get into that, man. Um, Tell me a little bit, because you have an engineering degree, you electrical engineer, but now you're in construction, right? <laughs> what, if anything, translates from a craft standpoint and then also, tell us a little bit about how, you know, you've had to grow and understand that particular business when it comes to specifics of, of that market. Well, when it comes to how my electrical engineering degree <laughs> kind of translate to the construction side, it just gives me insight because construction in construction, it's processes. And so like an engineer, it's, it's processes, understanding processes, because I understand I, I was able to I'm able to understand processes as an electrical engineer, it made it easy for me to 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 learn the processes and understand the processes of construction. It, it also gives me uh, an edge when it comes to that particular trade, because when you're building a building, you have mechanical, you have you have electrical, you have plumbing. So you have structural as well. So it helped me. Uh, it helped me understand the electrical side better. So I, I have a little edge when it comes to 
that part of construction. And then um, as far as uh, what I had to learn was the processes, because as a construction manager and as a general contractor, you're not charged with the task of being an expert at everything. Uh, but you do have to have general knowledge of each trade. You have to understand the process of construction, the sequence of construction and things like that. So and over time, you, you begin to, to learn those things uh, and, begin under, and begin to understand those things. And then as far as scheduling, that was something I, that was an area that I really needed to grow in, because in order to put together a schedule for construction, you have to have experience. And you have to really, really understand how long it takes and but even though you get buy-in from subcontractors you still want general knowledge of each trade gotcha you know i had to give a plug for structural engineers because that's that's what i am i had to had to speak up for my tribe but you know like this here's the thing about it though you know i'm a structural engineer myself you know i design things that are to be constructed however it's it's funny how little even i know about kind of that whole process start to finish uh, when it comes to building something, you know, I just kind of design it <laughs> and then hand it off. But here's the thing, man. Can you kind of like break down a little bit? Because this, this is, a, I guess you could say, an age old industry in a sense. We've been building things for a while. But how, how do your clients usually come to you? What's a typical flow when it comes to like person wants to person A wants to build a building? I understand you guys. Specifically, your company one day came has done some things for universities, FAMU, uh, Florida State, and things like that. But like, how does how does it work? Like, they just kind of hit you up and say, "Hey, can you help us out?" Or you come like, where do you? How does that flow work from idea to to ribbon cutting? One, everything starts with relationships. You have to reach out to the universities. You have to, you know, develop relationships. And um, a lot of times, there's there's opportunities where they put bids out. You you submit your bid proposal, and if you're fortunate. You get the get the project. So these are online bids, by the way. Most of it is all it's all public record. It's, it's, it's a, you know, they put it out there. A lot of times it's online or it's in some type of local publication or newspaper or things like that. But um, a lot of times it's online. And if you're successful with your bid and you're awarded the project at that point, once you're awarded the project, then you put together a schedule. And that schedule is based on buy in from your subcontractors. Um, buy-in from the owner as well because they'll tell you, hey, we need this done in 90 days. Mm-hmm. And, and you're charged with the task of, of, of getting it done in 90 days. And a lot of times, you know, there are going to be times where 90 days isn't feasible, but it's important that you communicate to your client what's realistic. Some people, they shy away from doing that, but you have to do that. That way your your your, your client trusts you. You know, you're able to build trust right. with your client. Um, and you're not just blowing smoke. Once you're able to develop a schedule on our end, on the con- contractor side, we have to go ahead and get pricing from our subcontractors, uh, issue them contracts. Okay. And in their contracts, they're held to whatever schedule we're held to. They're held to whatever. Mm-hmm. If, they, what they have, if we have liquidated damages, what they call it, it's what they charge you every day you're late. Then we have to hold mm-hmm. the subcontractors accountable as well. So you go through that project, the process as well. So you learn a little bit of the legal side. Because you're dealing with contracts, there's a submittal review. It's it, it's a lot to it. I mean, I can go through the. I don't know if you want me to go step by step by step. By step. I'll give you the short yeah. version. But typically, you know, once we develop the schedule, we would uh go ahead and implement the schedule. Uh, get our subcontractors going. A lot of time, and you'll have a, a project manager and a superintendent. The superintendent is the your guy that's out in the field. He's responsible for the the day to day operations of the project. He's uh responsible for coordination. 
in the field. And then the project manager, he's more so responsible for the administrative side. He handles all the paperwork. He, he, he watches the budget and he manages the schedule. And he's also in charge of all the, the communications between us and our client and the architect as well. So, and that's just pretty much, that's just pretty much it. Pretty much it. So you go through, get it done, tell the client, hey, you guys can plan the ribbon cutting. And then uh, that's when you start taking all the pictures and that's stuff, right? That's taking all the pictures and, and cutting the cake. Right. And, and, most, <laughs> and most importantly, collect the checks, right? Collect the checks. That's important. And that, and, and you know, and that's another thing uh, it, it, that you, that's important. Cash flow is very important. And that's one of the things that I've learned over the years that you have to be on top of your billing because you have vendors that you have to pay and your relationship hinges on how you handle business with your subcontractors as well and your vendors. You know, you got to pay, you want to pay them one time. And in our industry, we invoice our clients and we pay our subcontractors. So if we don't invoice our client, you don't have any money they to pay. Don't have money to pay, you know, so you got to keep the cash. And, and construction is one of those businesses where cash flow is very, very, very important, like any other business, but debt, especially in construction because of timing of it all. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean, man, because sometimes, I mean, even, even even in the company that I run, you know, my media company, sometimes I'm like, you know, taking a hit ahead of time, kind of trying to pay before I get paid. And, and, and if you're not careful with that, like you could really like hurt yourself in an immediate. So I understand, I can only imagine when you're talking about 500,000 to 50 million size project. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your, uh, you sharing that man and, uh, giving us the, you know, the condensed layman's version of that. A lot of insight for me as a structural engineer, but we're going to go kind of what I call our, our final portion of our interview where we kind of designed to get some bite-sized advice and takeaway tips from you. And so uh, what I want to ask you first is if you can just give us a little snapshot into what your typical day as an entrepreneur looks like. It's a, uh, I get up every morning around four thirty-five o'clock. It's, it's, it's necessary. And, and I, a lot of, I got that from a, from a book that I read. Uh, there's a book by, Timothy Ferris. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, Four hour work week. week. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and I, and I find that the earlier you get up in the day, and it's like today was today was crazy. I woke up at four thirty five o'clock today, and it was eight forty five, but it felt like it was twelve noon. But I was just surprised at how much time I had left to get things accomplished. So I get up early every morning, four thirty five o'clock. I try to meditate, clear my mind. I check emails to see if there's anything that, that I left open-ended from the day before. From that point, I, I make my phone calls to all my project managers and um, superintendents to get an update of, uh, to where they are on each project. And a lot of times I, I'll, I'll put together my own uh, list of action items of things that need to get taken care of. And I have a conversation with them about it. I mean, most of the day I'm on the phone talking to my project managers, talking to my subcontractors, reviewing, uh, invoicing, putting together billing for that week. And I interface with the uh, client a lot throughout the day. So that's typically my day. That's It's just nonstop, nonstop. And I'm interfacing with clients, I'm interfacing with my project managers and superintendents. And I'm, I'm very hands-on, so I like to go to each side and walk around. And sometimes I have a tendency to get my hands dirty because I just can't stay away. 
but that's 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 typically i mean that's typically it for me yeah i like that you said that uh you know you wake up early because that is something common that you would find among successful people i think i heard a quote somewhere where like successful people do more before 12 than some people do like in their whole week or whatever so i like that i like that so here's a question a favorite question you know a lot of people ask if you could do a things all over again, which you change anything. But I like to ask if you could go back in time in the time machine and you, or you had the opportunity to speak to your younger self and give yourself just a brief, like few seconds of advice, right? Whether it's encouragement or a specific tactical advice, what advice would you give your younger self? And I guess, you know, vicariously give to a person who's literally that James from back when you started your first business. I would give myself a lot of advice, but the one thing I would advice I would give myself is to to be thorough, be very thorough with everything that you do, very very th- thorough and detail oriented. And I find that that's very important. That's something that along the way you have a tendency to lose because you get when you you've done something for so long, you know, and it comes natural. It, it's it's what they call it. I don't know if you ever heard the the the, the curse of the gifted. I haven't. But it's when you basically are good at something and it just comes to you. So you don't put forth any effort, the effort that you should put forth because it comes naturally. But you still have to, you have to work, continue to work hard because someone is is working twice as hard <laughs> as you. So in order to, to stay in the game and to continue to stay competitive, you have to continue to work hard. Stay at it. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. That's that's very important. I find it it's very important. Love it, love it. It reminds me of the the quote, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work as hard. You know, and, and those things where you know we all know someone who is ex- extremely talented in a certain area, and you're like, man, if they were ever only serious, they could do this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like that advice, and that's something I'm gonna take to heart myself. Um, and I hope you, you you two listeners, you know, be thorough. You know, really hone in on the details of what you're doing. Um, James, if you had a specific book and or resource, something that you use that you can recommend to our listeners um, who are trying to find the right way to do do their business. There's there's a, actually several books. There's, well, of course, the four hour work week by Timothy Ferris. I would I highly recommend that. And that's just me personally. And there is this book that I found at a pop up books bookstore. It's a rather old book, but it's Time Tactics of Very Successful People. Uh, what I find in business, time management is very important and being organized is very, very important. And that's how if you want to start a business, you want to that's how you want to start being very organized and, and, and having great time management. And because it, it helps you out with with communication, it helps you with managing, you know, every it helps you with everything. Keep you from getting overwhelmed. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Too. One miscommunication can cause a world of problems and a lot of times it comes that comes down to not being organized but yeah those those yeah. two books are two two books i would, I would recommend cool any any specific like app or application software that you use um, to keep things flowing there's an app called any.do that i use for my to-do list i tried to minimize on so many apps i was one of those guys oh, every every new app i i, I would sit some weekends i would sit there and i'll download like like four or five apps and they're all to do to do, you know, those to do list apps, same thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? And, you know, and it's it's funny. My dad, 
he gives great advice and he he say, man, champ, he calls me champ. He say, you have to be very organized. And he say, do you have a board in your uh in your office? I'm like, yeah, I got a board. He said, you got to write stuff down sometimes. Sometimes you got to go old school. I find it very, you have to go, go old school. Um, apps are cool. They're convenient. But sometimes you just got to go old school, pad and pencil. And I learned that from a lot of older guys in the industry. They have planners, you know, they don't have these these smartphones and have all these apps. And But I find it very helpful that sometimes you have to go old school, paper and pencil. Cool, man. Great advice. Great advice, man. And you've given us a lot of insight. I'm just extremely happy to have this conversation with you, man. And, uh, you know, we're coming to a close, but what I'm going to do is go ahead and ask you to share with us contact information. How can we, the listeners, kind of look up on you and see what type of things your company, when they came, is, is up to? Okay. And then, if you would, give us one of your favorite quotes, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And I'm also on Instagram and my company's website is www.onedaycame.com. So I can be reached at any of those outlets. And I want to give a shout out to Nesby. Yeah. To all my, my fellow Nesby brothers and sisters. No doubt. Nesby Preneur is the name of the podcast. You and I met down in Charlotte at the Professional Development Conference, which was a great experience. Yeah. Thanks for that shout out. And uh, what's a quote that you can leave us with, man, before we depart? I got this quote from one of my trainers. It says, every morning in Africa, a, ge- a gazelle wakes up. It's more it's not even a quote. It's more like a parable. Is that OK? Can okay. we can we can we do yeah. a different? Can we switch it up a we little bit? Di- we could diverge we a little bit. Go ahead. A little bit. Make, it, make it happen. It says every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up. It knows it. It must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. It doesn't matter if you are a lion or a gazelle. When you wake up, you better be running. (laughs) There you have it, listeners, straight from James Sampson himself down in, you're based in Tallahassee, Tallahassee, correct? Florida, Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Florida. Florida. That's right. Excellent. Thank you so much for the priceless, you know, advice, James, man. You know, we just wish you and, and just pray many blessings in your direction and we know that you're going to do great things continue to do great things in your company man so just thank you so much i appreciate it thank you i'm honored to have the opportunity thank you for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love for you to come and join us again next time in the meantime please do us a couple of favors one subscribe to the podcast on itunes or any other platform you might find us on and two rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show and finally Spread the word. Tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the Nesbypreneur Podcast.